So it's a good day to be here because it's already a quarter after and the preacher hadn't even started preaching yet, so it ain't going to be long, all right? It ain't going to be long. We're going to finish our study this morning of this thing called more, all right? We're going to finish the idea that God has something more. And for a quick recap, here it is. We, as the body of Christ, do not, do not even scratch the surface of tapping into the power that God has for us, that God wants to use and do in us. We have not for any stretch of the imagination been able to see what God can and does want to accomplish in our lives, in the lives of our families, and in the lives of our church. There is so much more. And Paul understood this. Paul, who is in prison as he writes the words we're going to read, for the sake of Christ. Paul, who was beaten with the rod. Paul, who was scourged with the cat of nine tails. Paul, who was shipwrecked in the Mediterranean. Paul, who was beaten, bruised, and imprisoned for all that he did for the gospel of Jesus Christ because he got it when he said this one phrase, one phrase, for me to live is Christ, but to die, that is gain. You can't do anything to my body because I have been crucified with Christ, and yet I live, ready? It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It is in those two phrases that you have to grasp that Paul got what he was talking about in the book of Ephesians. We're not going to get there, but everything before the passage I'm going to read talks about it. There was a secret. There was an unknown thing. There was a uh, something. That's how you have to describe it out there that Paul could grasp, that Paul did grasp, that most, if not all of us, never quite get. And he finally says, this is the mystery, comma. Christ in you, the hope of glory. For us to hope for, for us to buy in, for us to believe that beyond today there is something else. To have hope that the glory of God is going to manifest itself because Jesus already told us it is going to manifest itself and to believe it despite everything that's going on around us. Paul had it. And he had it because he said, it is no longer me. You see my body, you, you hear my words, but none of that is mine anymore. And before he was to reveal the mystery, but after he talked about this mystery and this secret, he did something that we have got to understand as we move forward. And I will be the, the chief of those of us with an error, those of us with a problem, those of us with um, not measuring up to this. I, I don't, I don't measure up to, to where Paul is here. I have a long way to go here. 
Because here's what Paul does. In the middle of this, this welling up within his soul, in the middle of him getting ready to tell us how the world is going to be changed, how more is going to come about, in the middle of all that, he stops. And he says, for this reason, because of the massive undertaking of every individual, for this reason, listen, I kneel before the Father. So let's stop. And we're going to, right here, we're just going to break this down. I'm going to walk through it, break it down, and that's it today. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. When the realization sets in that there is more and that more can happen and that God is going to do it, there is something that must occur in the lives of all of his people in order for it to come to fruition for more. Prayer. Not as, a, not as something that we talk about. Not as a religious duty. Not as a thing that church people talk about. Not as an introduction to the meal. Not as a buffer in between when the music ends and the sermon begins. Not as a time for somebody to walk out onto the stage without being noticed. All of the things that we turn prayers into. This is a sincere crying out to the God who wants to give it to us, begging him for it. Without saying a word of the lesson, Paul, by his example, goes, Oh my goodness, I'm speaking all this, and I believe it's coming. He will do greater things. We will do greater things. Last week's sermon, we will. But because it's coming, if I don't prepare the foundation, if I don't set the tone, if I don't prepare the hearts and the minds by beseeching on behalf of those who have no clue, this is never going to work. And that, Steve, is where we got to start. Spencer, that's where we got to start. Dads, that's where we got to start. We can't talk about it anymore. We've got to be so overwhelmed by the fact that a wave that we can't even fathom is coming and we have to prepare. We have to pray the sand into stone. We have to pray the beach into firm foundation. We have to pray the rain into, into land. We have to pray that we are ready for the awesomeness that's going to occur. And if we don't, we've failed before it starts. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. And in kneeling, we accept this truth. This truth. That humbling ourselves in the sight of the Lord is how all rise occurs throughout the scripture throughout the scripture the way up is not up it is down considering equality with God not something to be grasped he made himself the very nature of a man not only a man but a servant not only a servant but one who would wash feet not only a servant who would wash feet but one who could live for an eternity yet humbled himself to death not any death but the worst possible death even death on the cross and then God exalted him to the highest place Philippians chapter 2 over and over again the way up is down and if you're going to get to the more we've been preaching and promising you start on your knees humbled before the Lord not because you can't pray standing up but because reality needs to set in 
in the difference between you and he. Talking to somebody the other day, and I quoted one of my favorite phrases that I heard in passing at a camp a long time ago. A guy was teaching other leaders, and the first words out of his mouth to all of these young, rambunctious, go get them youth pastors who brought them to Jekyll Island for their camp, and big things are going to happen. He looks out at the crowd, he goes, There is a God, and you're not him. Because sometimes we felt that way. I mean, you know, it was fun to be at Nicholasville Baptist 30, it's been almost 30 years now almost 30 years ago, and, and, and just have a group of people who you wanted to be with, who wanted to be with you, and you could talk and walk and love and hold hands and play football and eat and do interpretive dance. If you can imagine the white guy, you know, to music, yes, yes, we did these things, and we were loved anyway. <laughs> I remember <laughs> this one. All right, there is a God, and you're not him. So we set ourselves up for what's about to happen. From whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Interesting. This is a strange verse. I kneel before the Father, I humble myself, and the description Paul gives is not one that's easily theologically summed up. From whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. The only way to figure this out is backwards. What is your name? What is your name? It's a summation. Did I use a word that was too big? It's a collective whole. You could say, I went to a church today and I saw this dude that was bald. You could say, I went to church today and saw this dude that was uh, somewhere between crazy and insane. You could say, I saw this guy who was short. You could say, I saw this guy who was loud. You could say, I saw this guy who was obnoxious. You could say a lot of things. But one word will encompass all of those things. What is it? Craig. Craig. Whatever it is, my name is the all-encompassing way to describe the fury that is me, all right? The Tasmanian devil that I am, all right? It is, that is what, so your name is a sum of. So, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives the summation of who they are. Do you see what he did there? Regardless of what you think you became, regardless of what you think you spoke into existence, regardless of what you think that you created, regardless of the political, of the economical, of the social divides that you think are out there, everything that you are and the summation of who you become is allowed by, is sparked by, is overcome at any moment by the God who created it. Regardless of your belief system, He is the place where everything that you are comes from. When 
John is describing creation. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Listen, apart from him, no, by him, all things that have been made have been made. And apart from him, nothing that has been made has been made through the word of God in the person of Jesus Christ. Everything that exists in its cause, in its how, in its what, in its why came from him. Father over all that is. I kneel before the one that regardless of who says who is who, he is. That's why there's never an adjective or a verb or a noun after. He just what? Is. I pray. Listen, church. Listen, church. We have a problem between being powerful and authoritative and being humble. It's something a lot of people uh, struggle with on very different levels. If you're arrogant, you suffer with humility. If you're humble, you struggle with confidence. And we all on various levels have, have problems with it. But when you speak and when you pray and when you grab hold of the fact that it is not you but Christ in you, you have an authority, you have a confidence, you have a power that is overwhelming because you're speaking not as one who might be, but as one who is overtaken by the one who completely is. And so Paul says, I pray, not because he's Paul, but because it's Christ in me working to cause all of this happen. Own it! When you get on your knees, own it. You speak to your dad. Children of the President of the United States don't worry about walking through the gates of the White House. They walk in because it's their house. Go home. Call on it. He's your daddy. You're his baby. It's yours. All that I have is yours. You are the inheritance. You're a part of the family of God. Own it. Live it. Love it. I pray you have no idea what by the authority vested in me means until it's vested in you and you use it. I pray out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Listen to me. This is where, this, this is not a catch this is where this is reality. I pray. So what is Paul praying for? Is he praying for cancer to be gone? Is he praying for our children to grow up and behave themselves? Is he praying for our wife who's left us to come back home? No. Is he praying for our bodies to look better and the wrinkles to go away? Is he praying for the hair to grow back and the gray to not be there? I pray out of the abundance of wealth that is unimaginable, that he may strengthen you. How? Strengthen you with the power of the Holy Spirit. So he prays for strength. The strength that he prays for is from the Holy Spirit, who is God, sent as a counselor, in your inner being. Soul. That which makes you yourself. Character, the Hebrew word that would describe this that the Jews, guys from men's ministry, the phroni, in your center. In, listen, the part of you 
that never dies. Do you understand? If you believe that we are aliens and strangers to this land, if you believe that the earth is not our home, that we were made for something more, but here's what happens. Because this is all we see, because this is all we know, because this is all we understand, because this is all we comprehend, the, the, the rain and the sun and the weather and everything affects us. And Paul says, I don't give a flying flip about any of that because all of this passes away. All of this is that long. All of this is... Ecclesiastics, meaningless, meaningless, it's all meaningless. When you pray, don't pray for the things that are going to go away. Don't pray for the things that are going to get left. That's why when you pray for money, when you pray for cars, when you pray for boys, when you pray for girls, when you pray for relationships, God's like, ah, that stuff is this. Pray the big. And Paul says, I'm praying that you would receive a the inside of you that you didn't even know you had that is going to actually live forever that can never be taken down in some form or fashion and I want it to be strengthened. I want it to be courageous. I want who you are to blossom and to grow. Why? So that Christ may dwell there. Listen, having, having Jesus in your heart isn't some mansy-pansy thing. Oh, let's come in. Yay, let's get dunked. Yay, let's sit in a pew. No! Fail! The one that flung time into existence lives inside of you. Do you think what he came for was to sit on whatever those pads are against whatever that wood is? That's why I came? So that you might sit here and listen to the bald guy? No! But isn't that what we've created? Followers of Jesus. You know what? Let's do. Let's all go sit in old buildings all up next to each other and not even have our own chair and stare at a screen and watch kids get in cold water. That's what Jesus is all about. No! We've made it a fan page. We've made it a game. We've made it a place where we can sit and watch everybody else do it from the stands. And Paul says, I'm praying this so that when it finally happens, you're ready for the God of the universe to live in you. Because when you realize that's what's happening, this will never be enough. And I pray that you, I pray because when you have it, it's like something inside of you is unleashed that is literally uncontrollable. I pray that you rooted. There's a reason it uses the word rooted. There's a reason it's using the word clinging to something. I am the vine and you are the branches. You've got to be set, rooted, grabbed hold into something when this happens. Why? Because you're going to have the power together with all the Lord's people. See, it's not just in you. It's magnified in all of how are we going to do greater things than Jesus? Together. Together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep the love of God is. Immeasurable. That's why God separates our sins not from the north and the south. 
You got it right. God doesn't separate your sins from the north to the south. Why? Anybody? Because it's measurable. Because it's measurable. If you send your sins to the north and you go to the south, eventually what happens? When you hit the south pole, you start going north. You can get back to your sins. If God separates your sins as far as the east is from the west, when, if you start going west, when do you start going east? Never! God's smart like that! To grasp how wide, long, high, deep, to grasp the immeasurable, immeasurable, infinite love of Christ and to know this is the line that is where we're going to land and to know this love that surpasses knowledge one more again and to know this love that surpasses let me, let me tell you what this says when all of this comes around and you get this inside you and you start to realize it, I pray that you will, listen, know the unknowable. That's what he's saying. I pray that you will know the unknowable. Yesterday morning, 13 men gathered together for breakfast. We thought we were in, you know, paradise, man. We've been used to four, five, six, and there was over a dozen of us. And one of the things that came up as Steve was teaching us was, and it, I promise it's come up two or three times just this week with people. One of the things that came up is, how do you use your words to say something to someone to get them to get something that you've experienced but they haven't yet experienced? How do you articulate it? And the answer we came up with was, you can't. You can't. So for our intents and purposes here, I'm going to use that to help us all grasp this. How do you know what is not knowable? What's my struggle for you? How do I preach a series called More, promising you that God's going to do amazing things that you can't even ask in you, and saying to you as of last week that I know it's going to happen because God already said it was going to happen, and get you to buy in? How do I get you to act like you know it's true? I can't because we need to see. All of us have a need to see it, and then, well, oh, I know, and, and then I can't. I can't verbalize what it's like to, to, to have a congregation member who I know lives from paycheck to paycheck come to me uh, and sit at my table and work out a budget where I write down, this is how much you need to tithe in the budget. And everything has to be adjusted around it. And they go, how can we afford it? And I simply say, I just know that it's going to happen. And they don't know. But they do it only to call me a year later and say, I have no idea how every time I needed money, there was money, but how the bank account said there was nothing there but my bills said paid I can't explain that to you till you're on the other side of it and you watch it happen I had a guy stand in my yard just this week 
and he's been telling me, and he's been telling me, and I love him, that he's coming to church, that he's coming to church, but I got to work last Sunday, but I got to work this Sunday, but I got to go do this, and here's what I said to him. I said, do me a favor. What time are you starting work on Sunday? He said, well, I don't know, 10. I was like, don't start till 12. Well, I've only got one day. I need all the light. I said, no, you don't. If five, fi- if five pieces of bread and two fish can feed 5,000, then six hours of daylight can turn into eight. Just show up for me. Just show up. He said, how's six going to turn into eight? I don't know, but I know he's not here. Why? Because he can't know. Until you're at the sixth hour, and for some reason, every worker's paid, and all the job is done. Let me give you an even better example. Anybody know, anybody know what the third highest grossing, that's income, the third highest income restaurant is? Number three. What? It is. It was seventh a year ago. But in the last year, it has jumped from seventh to third. Not most popular. It's number one in the most popular. Listen to me. But in financial income, Chick-fil-A is number three. This year, passing Burger King, Taco Bell, and Subway, the place with the most locations on the planet, in income. Does anybody remember when Chick-fil-A was in that little spot right where the restrooms are in Fayette Mall? And you could go there and it would tick you off because you'd be there on, and it wasn't open? They're not open on Sundays. Wait, 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 wait. We all know they're not open on Sundays. Yes, but it's become so commonplace to us now that you don't realize that they're the third highest grossing income restaurant on the planet and they're open 52 days less than everybody else. Explain that to me. You don't know till 20 years later when you say, I'm not working on Sundays because I'm not working on Sundays and, God, and everybody says, you can't make it and then you're number three. Why? Because God will honor your choice and will multiply six days to make it however many he needs. It's the best example I can give you of something we can all buy into. With 52 less days a year, they outshine Taco Bell, Subway, Burger King, Arby's, every other restaurant you can think of. Because Kathy Truett knew without having proof. Because there's never been a time in the history of the planet that God hasn't been who he said he will be. Ever. And now Paul stops and he takes a breath, which I'm going to do as we finish. And he prays a promise. He said, for those of you who heard me, for those of you who understood me, for those of you who get it, now to him, him who is able to immeasurably more than we all ask or even imagine. 
to the one who can do more, not just that we want, not just that we can think, more than we're capable of fathoming according to his power at work in us. So God will do this more by him through you. To him be glory in the church and in Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. The promise is that when this comes to a close, he's still in charge. He's still on top. He's still more. And we'll spend the rest of our lives more more my wife's got a new job and I've got a new phrase as she goes out for the day go get them she stopped me last night she said I probably didn't have the most husbandly response to this I'll own it she's coming through the bedroom she turns around she comes back and she stops and she says can I tell you something yep good husband like that, I'll listen to whatever it is. She says, I'm happy. I get up and I want, I want to go to work. I get up and I want to go out. No matter what happens, I just, I, wa I want to go. And what I probably should have said was, lover, that is amazing. And I'm so excited and proud for you. Instead, I said, well, duh. But let me say why I said, well, duh, in defense. What did I say? I know. Because I knew. My wife's different. I love my wife, and she was perfect before, and she's perfecter now. <laughs> That's no suck up. I know. Ask the people that I've talked to about it, and they'll tell you that I told them what you told me a week ago. Because I see the joy in my wife. And it's an honor to say, go get them. Because she loves it. And it doesn't matter. You hear me? Go get it. And I love you. And it doesn't matter if you decide to serve, to tithe, to give, to witness, to go, to share. I'm going to love you anyway. But if you don't go, I can't promise you more. But if you do, I can't describe all that that more is. And we won't know what hit us. There's more coming. Go get them. Let's pray. Your glorious riches, would you strengthen everybody in this room with power through your spirit and your being so that Christ will dwell in all of their hearts through faith, 
And I pray that being rooted and established in love, that they may have power together with all of God's children to grasp the depth and the amazingness of the love of Jesus Christ and to know that this love is beyond our understanding, but we can be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. We can be filled to the measure that we cannot comprehend and only you can. And because of you, you, can do more than we could ever ask for or imagine because it's your power at work within us. And we will give you the glory and the honor forever and ever. In Jesus' name, and amen.